from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing, and the Brand Identity Hello, Americus. Hello, Barbara. How are you doing? I am doing fine. And how are you? Not so bad. It's been a pretty incredible week. Lots of marketing news that we're going to discuss today. So I'm excited to jump right in. Well, Americus, I saw you were on, what was it, CNBC as the uh, brand identity theorist that you are talking about what I think is our big news of the week. But before I get into it, let me introduce our guest who can join us in this conversation, perhaps. And we are very happy to welcome to this show for Hit and Miss, Catherine Lundstrom, who is the sustainability reporter for Adweek. Um, And so she's a reporter. She focuses on sustainability, but she pays attention to lots of things, I think. So hello, Catherine. Welcome to our show on Marketing Matters. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so let's dive right into the big story of the week. And yes. Americus, this is your podcast, so <laughs> you should be reporting to us what you oh, think Lord. on CNBC, by the way. Oh. But at any rate, um, yes. why don't you recap real quickly, because I know that was a bit of a segment if people haven't seen that. Some yeah. of your big points on meta and metaverse, and then maybe we can discuss it in a little more detail. and. Nope. Talk about whether it's a hit or a miss, because that really the jury's out on, right? The jury is totally out on this. I was also reading your work that you did in the LA Times as well, Barbara. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But I got to say, so the question is, is meta better? And, uh, (laughs) you know, there's so much going on here, Barbara, so much to unpack. I'll start with the metaverse aspect. So uh, I think it's interesting in the sense that it's pretty clear to me that we are going to, and you've said this before on our uh, podcast, Barbara, that we're going to experiences. And one of the things that AI uh, and virtual reality and augmented reality is going to allow us to do is to create almost otherworldly uh, immersion customer experiences. And so this is going to be pretty huge. And it appears that uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, wants to be the thought leader in all of this metaverse. He wants to own it. He wants to kind of to be the guy, the face of the thing. And so I was checking out the technologies. I know you and I, Barbara, talked about the Ray-Ban smart glasses last time on the hit or miss uh, segment. And so it's part of this whole constellation of stuff. Oculus is the, um, uh, the headset that you wear that you can do all kinds of you know, workout related immersion stuff, gaming related uh, stuff, conversations, you can become avatars, all of this kind of stuff. And so the way I look at it, Barbara, is Facebook has always been kind of this two dimensional connection mechanism. And now they're trying to go to this metaverse, which is this deeper three dimensional connection mechanism amongst consumers. And so the question is, can they merge into this new world, which I think the technology is going, but then what happens? I want to get your take on this, Barbara. What happens to all of the old stuff that's in our noggins with respect to Cambridge Analytica, uh, you know, all of this information, misinformation that might have affected an election, all of this conversation around is Facebook just an open channel to publish things or that should they be regulating what's going on and what's being said? So all of this I know. And by the way, Barbara, I was reading some of the research 
that clearly shows that Facebook is one of the most distrusted tech companies out there. In fact, it's usually number one or number two on the lists that I've seen. And so the question is, what is all this negative stuff? How does that merge into this new attempt to, to own this other area? What are your thoughts, Barbara? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's two issues. The one issue is the metaverse issue, which we'll talk about in a second, because um, that's a more complicated issue. And definitely the jury's out on whether or not we're all going to be living in a metaverse, right? But the other is all the negative publicity that Facebook has gotten recently, all the things you mentioned, and then you didn't even mention the whistleblower piece of it, which has to do with body image and mental health of teens and things like that. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is when you look in the past of somebody trying to deal with bad name, bad publicity, they change the name. But yep. Meta is not really changing the name of yes. the... The, the brands that are loaded with bad associations. So Meta is the holding company or the yes. big company that they're changing, but Facebook, Instagram, all yes. of that and all the baggage that you're talking about, it's not going away. Yes, I mean, that's correct. Brands are there. Yes, so yes. I guess what they're trying to do is not wash it away with a with a brand brand name change because they have so much invested as the point you made there's so people are not going to give up their facebook accounts you know even if they don't use it daily they're just too invested in facebook it's not so they mm -hmm. can't really mess with that right so i guess what they're trying to do is i think what you were talking about is change the conversation yes. to one about metaverse and try to be the pioneer in talking about that that's right and then using the just pushing you know creating so much oxygen around that barbara it almost by inference i want to get your thoughts on this Catherine. Right. pushes the other stuff like out of our conscious you know thought processes and i think that's part of the slick strategy here what are your thoughts Catherine? yeah yeah i mean i think it's really interesting i was just chatting with my colleague robert clara about um about some of the historical precedent for these kinds of brand name changes and how it's it's kind of a shift in perspective to, oh, we're moving forward, we're going to be doing all these new and exciting things. Um, but the subtext there is stop looking at all the bad stuff right. that we're leaving behind. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, yes. these name changes and rebrands and forward-looking statements, um, have it's, there's a long precedent for, for brands doing, doing this to try to move out of a um, kind of a sticky situation. Yeah, but like I said, Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp not going anywhere. So it's that's right. A bad execution of that. Strategy. That's yeah. right. And but and don't forget that. Remember, Google changed its umbrella company name to the Alphabet Company. Barbara, is right. that correct? Yeah. So it's a, so, you know, I mean, is this going to really impact things? I'm not sure. I mean, I think the other interesting aspect about this, Barbara, is that eventually, you know, time pushes out the older consumers. I'll say that, you know, as politically correct as I can. And then the newer consumers are what's left. So, you know, they may not even have any kind of memory right. or hysterical, uh, historical footprint of any of this stuff. And maybe that's part of the strategy as well. Yeah, that's what's good about being a university professor, right? We keep getting the clock reset. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we get a do-over all the time. Exactly. Well, so the metaverse notion is kind of like what you and I have talked a lot about is omni-channel, which is a seamless integration between online and offline in terms of digital commerce, mobile commerce, or physical commerce. But a metaverse is a seamless integration between artificial, I mean, augmented yes. reality, virtual yes. reality, 
reality and physical reality. So one notion, and they've been pushing that on us for a long time, you know, back in the old days with Pokemon Go, you know, remember that game? I do, I do, absolutely. Little virtual animals all over our real parks and streets. So one of that is whether you really think that's going to be true and maybe, you know, it hasn't caught on yet, but like with video conferencing, eventually it will. Right. But as I understand it, and this is where it gets technical, and I don't know if any of us know the answer to this, so that's fine if we don't, we can leave it to someone else. But there's something about like the cryptocurrency or I mean the big, you know, the connectedness of the technology. And from what I understand in this metaverse, some of the philosophy of it is that it's decentralized. Hmm. And so the community kind of makes the rules and works together in Uh a metaverse which is not what Facebook has done. Facebook has always been way more connected, top-down, um, right. that kind of idea. So I think there's some philosophical differences that maybe he's alluding to, they're mm. willing to consider. That's or really interesting. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Do either That's of really... you know anything about this aspect? Yeah, have you heard anything on this, Catherine? No, I can't. I, nothing that I would feel comfortable speaking mm. to with authority <laughs> here. Um, yeah. Here, here's what I would say that I think is interesting, though, because remember, if you just track what happened with Facebook, right, it started off with, OK, let's have friends connecting with each other. And here's some stuff you put on there and you like it. You know, everyone kind of likes likes and stuff like that. And then it somehow at some point sort of transformed or morphed into this sort of all these other issues of this kind of perverse, like echo chambers of misinformation. And my question to Barbara, especially Barbara, if, if what's true is that the community has creates the rules, if you will, in this metaverse, why wouldn't you expect to see the exact same manifestation of the kinds of problems that Facebook had in the two dimensional world uh, being created in this more, you know, immersive world? I mean, you know, I, you can just only imagine what kind of groups could be created in the metaverse of their own world, you know, doing all kinds of you know, things that may be off color and or maybe even worse. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that's what I don't quite understand exactly how it works. I think that the metaverse and this kind of thing gives you some control of your own kind of thing in a decentralized way, but I don't understand it. I was looking for the article that was going to explain it to me better, and I can't seem to find it. So um, I'm not sure, but... I do think that this whole idea of moving to this new technology and what that means, it's a bigger idea that he's trying to allude to and lead the discussion. One of the things I know you didn't mention, I don't think today, but on the in some of your other press um, remarks you made, that you think it's time for Zuckerberg to not be the face oh. of Facebook. <laughs> I did say that. And by the way, I, you know, I am neither, I'm agnostic with respect to Mark Zuckerberg as, a, as an individual person. I, I was not trying to poo-poo. I just feel like if he gets up there and he's like this cybernetic synthetic organism reading off of a script uh, with absolutely no you know charismatic elements or warmth associated with it why not turn it over to somebody who's good at that stuff you know so my, <laughs> my comment was like if the if the idea is to change the face of this you know d- do what you're good at you know maybe you can be the mad scientist behind the scenes uh, but put somebody out there who can like be the face of this and, and do it in a way that's really authentic I mean what are you guys thoughts on that yeah, Catherine, you have an opinion about that? Uh, yeah, I've heard um, lots of theories about that. If, if the announcement of Meta is kind of the first step for Zuckerberg to be a little bit further removed, and I feel like that would make sense. Um, <laughs> you know, it just does seem like he's so wrapped up, his, him as a person, as a brand, is so wrapped up with the Facebook brand, and it's um, it's really 
it's really pretty, I don't know, kind of a sticky situation at this point. Yeah, and the ego of some of these CEOs are pretty difficult, you know, to overcome. And he's got an ego as big as all the other big players in tech. Um, so let me reintroduce. I'm Barbara Kahn, along with my co-host, Americus Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And today we're joined by Adweek's sustainability reporter, Catherine Lundstrom. And we're going to ask her to talk about what she actually writes about in a minute. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I want to give you one more hit or miss, because both of these stories, to me, were super not clear as to whether they were a hit or a miss. And here's another one that I read about, which is kind of related to what we're talking about, but in a different way. So So Lexus announced that they were going to take personalization to a new level with emotionally intelligent ads. And basically what they're saying is they're going to do an ad um, Mm. for their feel your best campaign for for a hybrid electric vehicle they have out there. And the tech will allow the ad to change in real time Mm. based on the viewer's perceived emotional state as seen through the viewer's camera. And they will alter the spot's pace, music, color intensity, and montages for a a total of over 3,000 different executions of this ad as a function of what they're seeing through the camera. Wow. Now that is like to me metaversy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it means, but that sounds like kind of moving digital connection with real life connection and then Oof. adapting with that. Is that a hit or a miss? Do you feel good about that or bad? Catherine, what's your take on that? I don't know. I'm kind of split on that. I feel like it's one of those things that would be um, kind of like personalized ads, but a new level of it where people uh respond really well to them they seem to like them if you look at the way that people interact with targeted ads um and then but then they'll also complain about them like Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretend that you really really don't like it or like you feel a little bit uncomfortable about the the perceived like privacy that you're losing but at the same time like actually really still respond well to it so like i feel like consumers are going to be of a split mind about totally. that too if they're totally. even a feel, if they're even cognitively aware of what's exactly. happening exactly yeah americus what do you think well i still gotta do my thing is it a hit or is it a miss <laughs> and i gotta I, I gotta say jury's still out on this barbara i'm just i'm thinking about the movie minority report right and the idea that this this big brother thing i don't like and it's maybe it's because i'm a digital immigrant and all of that but the idea that, you know, first of all, garbage in, garbage out, right? So we got to see this. Do they even have the inputs to be able to, to base the research on these emotions? What are these emotions? How will they work? How will they feedback ads that have that right resonance and synergistic connection and so on? But I just don't like the idea. I'm trying to get away. I'm trying to unplug. I'm trying to get out of the metaverse, Barbara. And then maybe I'm just one of these people that I feel like I'm too connected. I'm always on the phone. I'm always in this stuff. So I don't want to be drawn in further. I want actually like pull away from it and i I don't want someone trying to figure out how i feel i know how i feel (laughs) and so (laughs) you know what i mean and so and so you know and maybe it'll be like one of those things well yeah america you said that about email uh and mobile phones and paying on a mobile phone and all this stuff and it's just going to be you know eventually what happens but i gotta say right now i'm I, i i would not be an early adopter or even early liker of this technology barbara what are your thoughts yeah i don't know i think Catherine hit my feelings kind of on the head and plus 
then minus on this kind of thing. Because on one hand, if the camera's picking up that I'm miserable and the ad can make me happier, I suppose that's what they would do if they saw I was miserable and not play into my misery, um, then maybe that's a good thing. Or maybe mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I'm open to stuff that, you know, then it could be manipulative. It could be that when I'm perceived as happy and open, then they think I'm more likely to buy more or something like that. And they throw a lot of stuff. So I wouldn't want it to be manipulative. But if it was like in place of a therapist, I don't know, maybe. But, but see, but that's actually very interesting. And get uh, Catherine's thoughts on this as well, because it also raises now the question, the very interesting point that you just made, Barbara. But what are the legal implications of this, right? So if, if I'm sending you messages and they're tailored to you, your emotionality, and something goes wrong, am I liable because I did something where I sent you the wrong emotional message? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like whole cornucopia of just additional possible problems. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Catherine? Yeah, I don't know. I think that gets into kind of uh, concerning territory there, um, thinking about the way that, yeah, the way that people could be really manipulated. But then I keep going back to, you know, like targeted ads on Instagram, for example, I like I follow some path down the Internet and then I see ads related to a thing that I was actually looking for. And then I find a brand that I maybe never would have come across, except for that that ad was targeted to me. And yep. I can see those same kinds of things happening yeah. with a technology like this where where, yeah, like as a consumer, you're just like totally have a split mind about it. I found something totally. new that I was actually looking for yep. or mm -hmm. I had a need that was actually met. Met, at the same time, I feel really creeped out and like, <laughs> I don't know, like oh, unsure about the total implications so of it. What's your noise, America, or your sound for hiss? <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta come up with something for that, Barbara. We'll, we'll have to work on that. But uh, I think you all are right. I think it's it's early. And there's just two very almost you know, polarizing view, or viewpoints that one could simultaneously hold with respect to these things. And I think I hold both as well. So. Okay, well, let's now that we've resolved nothing, let's. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that should be show. our tagline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are we are very happy to have Catherine with us here, and her her beat, so to speak, for Ad Week is sustainability reporter, which I'm actually interested in. Just how you got that beat? I mean, obviously, Ad Week is thinking it's a very important area in most ads, and they're. That's like what you write about all the time. So tell us a little bit about the background in that and then tell us about some of your favorite stories that you're covering. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so I've been with Adweek for a couple of years now. I started about two years ago, exactly, just covering like general news. Um, and after a while, I just kind of was trying to think of what I wanted to cover as a beat, you know, really kind of take ownership over something and just personal interest led me to um, kind of, thinking about marketing and advertising news through a climate lens and mm. pitched it to our um, editorial leadership and they thought it was a good idea. So um, that was about two or three months ago um, that we announced the sustainability reporter position. And yeah, it's been fascinating. I'm overwhelmed all every day because there's so much to know about mm -hmm, um, this mm -hmm. space and so much to learn, but um, it's a blast. I just, 
had a bunch of reporting come out last week. Um, yeah, I saw some. Before I, before I go into your stories, I think yeah. what you said is kind of interesting, and there might be a bigger marketing point to what you're saying. The idea that you as an employee pitch something that you thought was important and your employer was smart enough to follow through on that <laughs> might be right. a bigger lesson for mark marketing firms in general to nice. take some of their insights about directions to go for a firm from their employees mm -hmm. who care very much right. um, and you know a lot of times we're doing market research and looking outward on the on the customers but some of that information might lie in their employee base, particularly now that we're in this labor shortage and really mm -hmm. empowering. I imagine the fact that they allow you to write about your passion, not only you're probably right, it's an important point of view that Adweek should be covering, A, but mm -hmm. also my guess is they respect and want to keep you. And now you're writing about things that you feel passionate about. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a great a win-win from Adweek. I don't know that's if you thought point. about it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and your point to thinking about what the talent, retaining talent and trying to think about how to respond to the needs of talent. That is, I mean, that is one of the stories that um, my colleague Emmy and I wrote and published last week about kind of this whole idea of the talent wars among ad agencies and um, how you can really draw and retain talent through focusing on climate Mm. um issues and 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 working with your um with talent to make progress in that area um mm. mm -hmm. yeah so that that was kind of one of them we talked to a, a few um yeah young why don't you give us some of those examples yeah like there's the clean creatives or yeah yeah clean yeah. creatives is one there's a couple of groups um that have kind of brought together a bunch of young, mostly Gen Z um, creatives in the marketing space um, to kind of, you know, try to tackle industry issues and um, have also, those folks have been pretty vocal within their ad agencies to ask for commitments from um, their agencies and, and brands to one, another group creatives for climate is a little bit more broad. There's folks, mm. not just in ad agencies, but throughout, um, you know, brands across industries um, doing advertising and marketing work and, and communications. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, they're they're putting i think they're putting some significant pressure on some of these um agencies and brands to hmm. to make commitments and th think twice about their their client rosters as well um and thinking about what kinds of accounts these young values focused creatives are going to want to work on yeah. That's um, very cool. I think that's great. Rah, rah. Let me totally. just switch gears a little bit because you wrote a really cute story I thought about paper towels. <laughs> um, and that was an example, of, I think, of like changing consumer behavior. This We were talking about employee behavior, but this is mm -hmm. consumer behavior. And I have to say, I love paper towels. I, mean, I really <laughs> a lot of paper towels. I have like a whole closet full of paper towels. So you're not telling us we can't do that? Um, well, I mean, Americans love paper towels is what we learned by doing some research for this story. Um, and I mean, I'm no different. We have paper towels, like I, the paper towels is on the grocery list regularly. Although this story did make me think a little bit differently about them and about which ones to buy. Mm. Um, basically, 
you know, consumers love specific parts of them. So they, they love the convenience um, and they, they love, um, I don't know, I guess the, the quick habitual convenience of them. Um, so we talked to, we talked to some brands that are trying to address the sustainability impact yeah. of that product itself, either by making a reusable version that mm. like hits all the same, like yep. feels the same, like it's in the, a, a little cylinder. So it looks like oh, a paper God. towel <laughs> and you, you know, you pull it out in the same way so that it feels really similar to try to address that friction, mm. um, in shifting, shifting gears to using something else. Um, we also talked to, um, some of the folks that are doing the environmental advocacy around, you know, around paper use and around deforestation and stuff to kind of talk through what's really bad about paper towels and what can be mitigated pretty easily. Mm. Um, and basically they said that there are some big brands out there like Bounty, um, mm -hmm. you know, the P&G brand, you know, they're engaging in some forest management practices that are not great. Um, we're, that that's uh, damaging forests that we really need to um to address climate change and to kind of recover from any, if we, if we want to be recovering from any of the damage we've done, um, we need those forests. So basically what they said was to use recycled. Mm. Okay. We can keep our nasty habits. If yeah. you, try ah. to. you can still use paper towels as long as they're recycled was basically the message that I got from the, the environmental advocate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting too. We, I also talked to, um, a researcher from the University of Michigan, Shelley Miller, who um, talked about kind of the misconceptions that consumers sometimes have around reusables um, always being better than disposable, because sometimes reusables require so much more. So it's complicated. That's a, it's very we, complicated. You no, know, we don't yeah. have enough time, and I feel like we didn't do enough. Um, we didn't do give you enough time on this. It's okay. I'm going to extend it for one second because I want you to just tell us a tiny little switch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we have to have you come back, Catherine, because obviously, like you're pointing out, this is a very important issue for marketers and for consumers, this idea of sustainability. So maybe we could do a whole show on defining some of it, all the different areas that you're reporting as you become more, you've only just started. So we yeah. get you in six months, you're going to know a lot more. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Nice. So thank you very much, Catherine, for joining us today. And if our listeners want to keep up on this topic, where can they go to keep up with you? Um, I'm at adweek.com. I have an author page there. We also have a special sustainability um, vertical on our website um, that you can find. Um, and and yeah, I don't know. Follow COP26 this week um, if you're interested. It's Yeah, that's true. That's important. what everybody in the world, very timely issue for sure. Mm -hmm, Thank for you sure. very much for... Um, for joining us and we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk about marketing and branding at sephora this is marketing matters business radio sirius xm 132 